Good morning. In today's headlines, Title 42 ends today. New information says the Biden administration is ordering Border Patrol to release illegal immigrants into the U.S. with no way to track them. Representative George Santos isn't letting 13 charges in federal court cramp his style. The embattled lawmaker says he's running for re-election next year. Former President Trump comes out swinging at a town hall in New Hampshire yesterday. We have the summary from the event and reactions from voters. Are there enough gun control laws in place? We hear from an attorney who says there are, but there aren't enough people who enforce them. And an artist in New York City uses Metro cards to make stunning works of art. His projects serve as a reminders of the cards and machines that will disappear by the end of the year. Good morning and welcome to NTD. I'm Tiffany Meyer in for Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. And be sure to stay till the end to find out how the Secret Service isn't just for the president, but maybe some ducks. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we are. We are. First, former President Trump took part in the first televised town hall of the 2024 presidential election yesterday. It was held in the critical early primary state of New Hampshire. The GOP frontrunner addressed allegations and answered questions from voters. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has a summary of last night's event. Donald Trump. Former President Trump received a standing ovation when he took the stage in New Hampshire on Wednesday. The Republican frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race answering a slew of questions around investigations and allegations from the event moderator. We were negotiating with NARA. All of a sudden, they raid our house. When Biden had his documents, he won't give back the 1850 boxes. And you're going to find some real gems in there. But it was so Biden who alerted them that he had the documents. Of, the National Archives reached of, out to you to get your documents back. Why did you not turn them over when you got a subpoena because we asking were negotiating for you to turn them with over? Them. We were negotiating with them. Trump responded to questions about recent lawsuits in this week's verdict in the Jeannie Carroll case, saying he has no idea who she is and that it's a made-up story. In Washington, D.C., you cannot get a fair trial. You cannot. Just like in New York City, you can't get a fair trial either. The 2024 presidential candidate was asked what he would say to voters who think it should disqualify him from running for office again. Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out and they went up. Trump stood firm on his position that underhanded means were used against him in the 2020 election. He also answered questions from voters. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. He says he would pardon many, but not all, of the January 6 rioters if re-elected. If uh, you look at Antifa, look at what they've done to Minneapolis and uh, so many other, so many other places. Look at what they did to Seattle and BLM, BLM. Many people were killed. These people, I'm not trying to justify anything. But you have two standards of justice in this country. When asked if he would commit to accepting the results of the 2024 presidential election, Trump said he'd be honored to if he thought it was an honest election. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Voters in Los Angeles weighed in on the town hall afterwards. As you can imagine, reactions were pretty mixed. Here's what they were saying. Watch. Despite whether you like Trump or not, He's probably going to be the Republican candidate. So I want to hear what he has to say about the actual things that are going to affect people's lives. You know what I mean? It's really hard to get a job. 
anywhere else if you're a convicted felon, and you shouldn't be able to hold elective office if you're a convicted felon either. Um, I also don't really think that it's appropriate that CNN is spearheading his campaign for him. They're supposed to be an impartial news network, and if he wants to campaign, that's fine. Nobody can stop him, but he shouldn't be celebrated and supported by what's supposed to be a bipartisan, impartial news channel. He has my vote, for sure. When, when he was actually president, things were a lot better than Mr. Brandon or Biden, whatever his name is. I think the economy was doing a lot better under him, for sure. I think that he has a lot of good ideas and is a good leader when it comes to the important things, but vocally and publicly, I think he's a horrible human being. And as a representative of the country, I don't think he'll be a good one. Trump's appearance on CNN was his first since before coming, becoming president in 2016. He said on so Truth Social, the network offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. The Biden administration will reportedly release illegal immigrants into the U.S. with no way to track them. This after more than 11,000 immigrants were caught crossing the border on Tuesday. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more from the southern border. Border Patrol agents were ordered to begin releasing illegal immigrants in any border sector that reached 125 percent of its holding capacity. They were to be given instructions to report to an immigration office within 60 days. That's according to an unnamed U.S. official who spoke to the Associated Press. Agents were also told to start releasing people if the average time in custody exceeded 60 hours, or if 7,000 people were taken into custody across the entire border in any one day. The over 11,000 border apprehensions in a single day is a new record and surpasses some worst-case scenarios predicted for the end of Title 42. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas blamed Congress for the current predicament. We are taking this approach within the constraints of a broken immigration system that Congress has not fixed for more than two decades. But Mayorkas sought to allay concerns about border security post-Title 42. Let me be clear. The lifting of the Title 42 public health order does not mean our border is open. The secretary says enforcement under Title 8 means tougher consequences for those who cross the border illegally. Meanwhile, President Biden warned that things won't be easy. See, it's going to be chaotic for a while. Representative Monica De La Cruz says her southern Texas district will become ground zero for the surge in illegal immigration when Title 42 ends on Thursday. The Biden administration has failed the American people. He has failed our Border Patrol agents. Illegal immigrants were rushing across the border on Wednesday. They fear that new policies will make it far more difficult to gain entry into the United States. Near Brownsville, Texas, illegal immigrants were stripping down before descending a steep bank, clutching plastic bags filled with clothes. They slowly waded into the water, one man holding a baby in an open suitcase on his head. This Venezuelan migrant replied to why he didn't wait for a proper appointment. Because tomorrow is the 11th, and they say that after the 11th we won't be able to go in. In related news, Texas continues to employ its strategy of busing illegal immigrants to so-called sanctuary cities. Nearly 50 illegal immigrants arrived from the state to Washington, D.C. on Wednesday evening. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
And the Biden administration has rolled out new regulations to coincide with the end of Title 42. Illegal immigrants will be disqualified from asylum if they didn't first apply for protection in a country they passed through on their way to the U.S. with limited exceptions. The move has been criticized by immigration activists, so compare it to former President Trump's third country asylum rule. And Representative George Santos pleaded not guilty to 13 charges in federal court yesterday. Those include fraud and money laundering. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the case. The fraud charges involve COVID-19 unemployment benefits. He also faces charges for misusing campaign funds and lying about his personal finances on House disclosure reports. The congressman was released on a $500,000 bond. He was ordered to surrender his passport and will need permission to travel outside of Washington, D.C., New York City, and Long Island. Santos blasted the indictment as a witch hunt after his arraignment. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting for what I believe in. I'm going to keep fighting to represent my district. The congressman says he will not resign and still intends to seek re-election next year. Santos also has his eye on other plans. This has been an experience, you know, for a book or something like that. Senator Mitt Romney says Santos should have resigned a long time ago. He's an embarrassment to our party. He's an embarrassment to the United States Congress. Representative Steve Womack called Santos a distraction. And it's a punchline for a lot of uh, commentary regarding the Republican Party that we don't need. While Congressman Nicholas LaLota says Santos needs to go right away. I want to concentrate on things like the border, China and debt. He's a complete embarrassment. But House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is taking a more neutral stance. Like every American, you have your day in court and go through it, just like when another member inside the House. Santos, we never put on committee, so he won't serve on committee. You go through his time of trial, we'll find out how the outcome is. If convicted of the charges, Santos faces a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said yesterday he will not support Santos for re-election. He said if the House Ethics Committee determines that Santos broke the law, he would call for his resignation. Still to come, are the current gun control laws strict enough? We hear from an attorney who says they are, but there aren't enough people that enforce them. And intense fighting in Gaza. Hundreds of rockets were fired between Israel's military and opposing Palestinian groups. Dozens were killed in the attacks. More right after the break. Good to have you back. Gun-related violence in the United States, and the same question keeps coming up. What can we do about it? I spoke to Edwin Walker. He's an attorney with Walker & Taylor, a criminal and civil defense firm with a focus on gun law cases. He says, we already have strict laws and gun control. They're just not being enforced. Hear what he meant by that. Uh, everybody says we need more background checks. Every single gun transaction is subject to a background check except for a single type, which is an intrastate uh, non-commercial transfer of a firearm. Uh, every other gun transaction is subject to a background check. So uh, mental health people have been, people who have been adjudicated as having a mental health issue, uh, they have been prohibited persons for over 25 years. Felons are prohibited persons. People with uh, misdemeanor domestic violence are, are prohibited persons. Obviously, like I said earlier, illegal aliens are prohibited persons. So if we just simply enforce the laws that are in effect, 
it would uh, certainly cut down on the number of people who have the opportunity to engage in mass shootings. Uh, I certainly don't think that taking firearms away from the millions of law-abiding citizens is the answer. I just want to go back to what you uh, mentioned with the background checks, too. Now, there is those questions are popping up of how these people with mental health issues are able to make purchases then and get their hands on a gun, um, even with those background checks. Now, since you're involved with these cases, maybe you can shed some light on that. Well, there's been a lot of criticism as far as local governmental entities inputting information into the NIC system. So the NIC system, for those of you uh, who don't know, is the National Instant Background Check System, uh, whereby all of these people who have dis disqualifying characteristics are inputted. Well, it, it relies on the input of local law enforcement, that's court agencies, departments of public safety, state police departments inputting this uh, information. In fact, uh, one of the shootings here in Texas several years ago, the Sutherland Springs Church shooting, uh, that individual should have been a, he was a prohibited person. He should have been, uh, his information should have been in the computer, but the federal government itself failed in doing that. So you're saying that the laws don't need to be stricter because they are already adequately strict. But why is there the issue that they're not being enforced then? You know, uh, law enforcement actually starts on the local level, and um, there is, you know, there are judges, there are prosecutors' offices who simply, for whatever inexplicable reason, don't hold those people responsible. For example, here in Harris County, so I'm in Houston, Texas, here in Harris County, uh, there were five individuals who were found to be in the possession of an, a, a device called a Glock switch. Um, you know, it is a somewhat dangerous piece, especially since it is not usually held by law-abiding citizens because they are illegal. Um, but uh, five individuals were found to be in possession of Glock switches, and uh, they were arrested by local law enforcement but then they were out by the weekend because they were given bond by the judge. And it'll be interesting to see how harshly the, uh, the, the, the local prosecutor, the Harris County prosecutor, prosecutes them. And so it's incumbent upon local officials, uh, for example, the San Jacinto County Sheriff um, that I, I spoke about earlier, uh, they had had contact. If they knew the individual was an illegal alien, if they knew he was in possession of a firearm, they had a legal obligation to arrest that individual and make sure he was turned over to the U.S. Attorney's Office for prosecution and or deportment. So it's a, it's a local enforcement issue. I know local law enforcement always complains that they don't have the budget uh, or that they're short on funds. Uh, but whenever it comes to firearms issues, there should be, you know, they should put that at the top of their priority list in enforcement. Hmm. Thank you so much for this breakdown on everything. Uh, Edwin Walker, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Edwin also told me that there is, in fact, no online sales or gun show sales loophole, like widely believed. Apparently, they're all required to do background checks by federal law, even if they're not federally licensed dealer. It does seem with all the shootings lately, the issue of whether or not laws are being enforced is really coming into the spotlight, not just the laws themselves. That's right.
Well, and moving on to the next story, heavy crossfire yesterday between Israel's military and Palestinian terrorist organizations. Hundreds of rockets were launched from Gaza towards Israel just hours after Israel carried out deadly strikes, killing the head of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad's rocket launching force and two other terrorists. Islamic Jihad confirmed Ali Ghali was killed in the early hours of Thursday. Ghali was reportedly in charge of the Al-Quds Brigade's missile unit. Hundreds of rockets were fired by both sides since start of the week. Gaza's health ministry reported more than 20 people have been killed and nearly 80 injured since airstrikes started on Tuesday. Israel's defense forces said over 150 Islamic Jihad sites had been struck. Fighting continued despite efforts of, by Egypt to negotiate a ceasefire. Israel's President Benjamin Netanyahu denied that a ceasefire was imminent. Meanwhile, the U.S. Embassy in Pakistan has urged Americans to remain vigilant. It comes after the arrest of the country's former Prime Minister Imran Khan on Tuesday, sparking violence in the country's capital. All counselor activities have been suspended by the embassy for the rest of the week. An alert was issued by the embassy restricting the movement of embassy staff. Americans have also been warned to be prepared should cell phone service be disrupted. Khan's arrest led to widespread attacks on government buildings and destruction of police vehicles. Hundred, hundreds of Khan supporters have reportedly been arrested. Social media and mobile communications were temporarily shut down by authorities to restore order. Khan was arrested under several charges, including corruption, by Pakistan's National Accountability Bureau and currently remains in custody. Paramount Media has announced it will be shutting its MTV News Network. Tuesday's announcement said the company will also cut around a quarter of its workforce. Despite streaming success, the company cited economic reasons for the decision. The news network had already been substantially scaled down in recent years. The decision follows last month's announcement by BuzzFeed to scrap its award-winning news division, as well as the cancellation of Vice Media's Vice News Tonight. The company described the cuts as a strategic realignment in an effort to streamline units and reduce overall costs. MTV News became popular throughout the 80s and 90s as an alternative to traditional cable news, appealing to mostly a young audience. And some good news, shoppers are seeing relief at the grocery store. Data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics found prices ticked down a bit last month. Milk dropped 2%, fruit and vegetables dropped about half a percent, and meat, poultry, fish, and eggs also dipped slightly. Good news there, and meanwhile, eating out has gotten more expensive. Prices at restaurants were up nearly half a percent last month. Yeah, I don't think I can exactly feel the prices dropping in the grocery store, but I definitely uh, feel the raise in prices in restaurants. And speaking of spending, experts agree that right now is a good time to save money prudently, since spending in America has hit an all-time record high. At the same time, household debt is also at a record high, and savings are at very low levels. Fake Order has more on how to save money. Laura Adams is a financial expert with Finder.com, a personal finance comparison site. Adams says Finder.com surveys show that consumers are really struggling despite the high levels of spending. People are especially stressed about money. 82% 
are saying they are completely stressed about personal finances, with 88% saying they're worried about the rising cost of their bills. So what should you do? Here's some tips on how to save prudently. One step is to lower your debt. Look at the top three areas. So that's your house expenses, your car expenses, and food expenses. Derek Saul is the founder of Life and My Finances. He's been working in corporate finance for the last decade. Sal says we should look at these top three areas first. You could do creative things like rent out a room or things like that, things that make a big impact in in your day-to-day -day dollars. Same thing with a car. If you've got a car that costs you $600 a month, like that's a huge expense. Maybe you have to downgrade. Maybe you have to sell that car buy something much cheaper, try to buy with cash, and that frees up a ton of money for you month in, month out. And then food too. We, I'm, I'm a dad, I've got two kids. I mean, if we go out to eat, they cost like $100. So even just going out to eat twice per month, that could be $200. So cut back on that, even, even just one meal a month instead of two, you've saved $100. Experts also advise taking a look at your subscriptions. Many have a habit of subscribing to things that they don't need. They also advise budgeting wisely and finding the best place to put your money. Take a look at where your money is sitting. Could you be earning more with a high interest savings account? At finder.com, we're a comparison site, so we help consumers find the best products out there. Right now, you can be earning as much as 5% in some cases. So if your savings is not earning much in the bank, there's probably a place where it could earn a little bit more, if not a lot more. Experts also advise reviewing your expenses on a periodic basis and potentially cutting back on areas where you're spending too much. Faye Quarter, NTD News. Coming up, an artist in New York City uses metro cards to make stunning works of art. His projects serve as reminders of the cards and machines that will disappear by the end of the year. Welcome back. An artist in New York City is cutting up thousands of metro cards and transforming them into whimsical works of art. But the iconic metro cards are set to phase out by the end of the year. And today's Andrew Thomas has more. More than 20 years ago, Thomas McKean was riding the New York City subway. He looked up at a poster advertising the metro card. When I got home, I thought I would try to make a few of those cards. And then I was it was fun, and then I got hooked on the material because what you don't realize, and have a selection here, it's, is that from card to card, the colors vary. McKean took a few Metro cards and cut up the letters, working with the various colors. So here the yellow is more of an ochre, here it's somewhat lighter. Sometimes it gets to be quite orange, sometimes very pale canary yellow. And same with the blues. His metro card art grew from collages to mosaics to 3D sculptures. One depicts a bird's nest with eggs inside and a New York City taxi cab. It was like discovering an entire little universe. And I'm sort of amazed because I remember when I first began, I thought, well, I'll do this for a week or two. I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> and how long has it been? Over 20 years. McKean was traveling through Grand Central Station six years ago. On a whim, he peeked behind the MetroCard machines and was dazzled by a sea of yellow and blue MetroCards. They were about this far from the wall and maybe 15 feet long, and it was this deep in MetroCards. So I presume that the people who sweep the station had just swept them behind there. 
So I was thrilled. <laughs> McKean's MetroCard art can be purchased at Fish's Eddy, a home goods store. The works serve as reminders of a soon-to-be-lost era. So everything has a time span. And I've been doing this quite a while, and I have a pretty good select collection of cards left. So I figure when the time's done, it's, it's done. Subway riders will soon have to connect their phones and credit cards to the Omni system to tap and go through the subway turnstiles. The machines will also offer Omni cards at $5 each. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That is so cool. You know, I actually been to that store and I saw that. I, I didn't know the background story. That's good to know. That's awesome. Really, I want to go. I want to see them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. But actually, first, we have a happy go ducky story for you before you head into your day. Some cute little feathered friends got a special security detail on Washington. Here, you're seeing the very beginnings of Operation Quacker Rescue. It all started with a mother along with her 11 hatchlings who took refuge on the balcony of the Secret Service headquarters on Tuesday. Then agents took them under their wings and relocated the family to the Capitol Police reflecting pool. It seems it's not just presidents who depend on the Secret Service for protection. And there was nothing foul about the actions of law enforcement in that mission. <laughs> they really lived up to their model of worthy of trust and confidence. Yeah. Wow, what a new job that is. That's awesome. <laughs> that was very, very cute and sweet, though. All right, we're going to wrap up the show here. Hopefully you start your day with on a happy note. Write us if you want at goodmorning at ntd.com. Uh, thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Tiffany Meyer.